0: Hey guys, this is Drew. Before we start the show, we want to do a couple of uh, business items up front. First, we were nominated for Best Podcast in Portland by the Willamette Week. And we want to thank you so much for reaching out and making sure that we got nominated. It means so much. If you'd like to do Loads. a little bit more, now the real test is on. Because starting May 1st, you can vote for us for the best podcast In Portland. We would really appreciate it if you did that. If you're a fan of the show, it would mean so much to place this year. And you can do so by going to the Willamette Week's website, looking for the best of Portland, and voting for us as best local podcast. We're in the media section, ya bitch. So before you listen this week, take a quick minute to vote for Andy, Nate, and I's podcast, a little show we call Hot Garbage.
1: Enjoy. You're listening to hot garbage
0: hello and welcome to another episode of the hot garbage podcast your weekly music playlist my name is drew joining me as always is the aqua socks to my crocs my dear friend Andy. Oh man, I love aqua socks. I know. I I don't know, I don't know if they disappeared, but if they, I feel like they're not as popular as they were when we were kids, and I don't get it. Man, you need those in a in a rough river. Yeah, rough river playing in a fountain. You know, in an urban area, there's a lot of concrete around. Just makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Well, Andy joining us as always is our silent partner Nate, making the sound happen, and we are very grateful for him. As we are equally grateful for you, listener, for joining us this week on hot garbage. As always, if you like the show and like what you've heard, please pass it along to a friend. It would mean a lot to us, and uh, we, we want to grow this community and, and uh, get more people involved with these conversations. I hope hopefully you enjoy it, and I think that they will as as well. Um, Andy, I have for the last week and a half, my car has smelled like just shit. was just I like in it? what? Maybe it's because I've been sneaking into your car and just hanging (laughs) out. Just sitting there. No, it does. It has begun to smell like someone brings a a fresh diaper first thing in the morning, leaves it in the car in the sun all day long, and then I get back into it after work and it smells worse than it started. But I'm actually, though I am slovenly in many ways, I'm pretty disciplined about cleaning my car. I have no fucking clue what's making it smell like a trash can right now. (laughs) It's really driving me insane. But that's really the only thing that bad that's been going on recently is an ongoing car smell that I can't crack. Yeah, man. It's hard to get rid of a car funk.
2: Once they get one, it's there forever. You I can mask it with another stronger funk. I would recommend getting, uh, I don't know, like an Axe body spray can and just blowing it up. Around. Way ahead of you. Yeah. Way
0: ahead of you. That's <laughs> I've got one in my car that's triggered to spray my crotch every time I get into or out of my car. Oh, yeah. So I'm never yeah. far from... A sweet smelling yeah. paradenum.
2: Yeah. Like a like a scent like called like kilo or like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. deep
0: swag. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or maybe like a Yankee candle that smells like leather and just bring it back. Just bring sure. the leather smell back to your car. I've got one that they I think they discontinued Neon Dragon. That's the kind that I go with. Oh, that's yeah. fancy. It's hot. It's hot. Ladies. Um how about you? Everything going well in your world? Oh
2: yeah, man. Just living that puppy life, running around with my little dog.
0: Yeah, your puppy's getting steadily bigger. Yeah, life goes on; it finds a way. And we went to uh, Bridgetown Comedy Fest this last weekend. And it was yeah. fantastic. Just coming off Bridgetown so Comedy much fun. Fest. In fact, our guest this evening on the show was a performer at Bridgetown Comedy Fest. Tonight, Andy and I spoke with Shane Moss, who is a comedian that you might know from a number of things. He's the host of a podcast himself. It's called Here We Are, where he interviews scientists and biologists and neuroscientists. Really fascinating podcast. I suggest Mm -hmm. all of you uh, subscribe to that. You might also know him from his Netflix special called Mating Season. His most recent comedy album was called My Big Break, and he's currently on the road as a part of a a 100-day tour um, with a show that is, as he describes it, part stand-up comedy, part stories, part TED Talk, all around uh, psychedelics and his experience with psychedelic drugs. It's called A Good Trip. You can find dates to see Shane on that tour at his website, shanemoss.com. That's Shane and then M-A-U-S.com. Check out the calendar. He is busy and he is coming to a town near you. It's true. We talked about how that show came together and his experiences with psychedelic drugs and some of the benefits and advocacy that he's a part of and um, some of the awesome stupid shit we did when we were kids. Absolutely. Uh, and we also played some great music. Awesome.
2: So. Is, awesome is pushing it. But uh
0: yeah. Yeah, we did some things. We did some things that we regret. That, that we about to hear about. Drugs it. and alcohol. Um and we talked about those kinds of things. Um just want to really quickly a quick plug because um advocacy for the evolving uses of psychedelics is a big part of uh, this tour for Shane. I just want to let everyone know that it has been sponsored by a group called MAPS, which is the Multidisciplinary Association of Psychedelic Studies. So go to Shane's shows, you'll laugh, you'll think, and you'll learn something. And hopefully, you'll do the same on this week's episode of Hot Garbage with our guest, Shane Moss. Enjoy.
3: Horrible like playing with fire stories going wrong and uh, <laughs> just I, I this friend with Everclear got drunk and blew Everclear <laughs> into the fire. <laughs> and, and, and he did it a bunch And then it started soaking his face And he was getting drunk And he went for like Alright last one this is a grand dog. And it caught his it face like on fire swaps all, yeah. You and can't say did, that And he didn't know it <laughs> well, yeah, because you don't know, we'll feel so it at first drunk. and your, your face is and on fire. So people just started slapping him out of nowhere, and he's like a really strong guy, but he used to be bullied. And so, like, then that triggered like PTSD from being bullied, and he just jumped up and started fucking decking everybody. Was his with his still? face on fire? his face on fire because wow. he didn't know his face was on fire. Which is just extra terrifying. Yeah. This, this giant
0: <laughs> his <laughs> his face wow. is on fire.
3: And he's now an eye surgeon. <laughs> it's <laughs> well, of happy ending and yeah, yeah. Was, uh, we were, but we were talking about like uh, um how he's like super successful now <laughs> no eyebrows but super <laughs> successful
0: can't pa- grow a beard paints him on like grandma 15 million dollars <laughs> <laughs> worth it worth every hair i had a friend in college who was unfortunately named carl who did the same thing, just had a flaming shot, that instead of throwing it back, he just kind of tipped it, and it caught his whole face on fire. So he was hot Carl for the rest of (laughs) (laughs) college. How perfect. I haven't (laughs) kept up with Carl, so Uh, he didn't strike me as the person that would pull himself out of that situation and then... excel in the medical field so i'm not sure it was my friend jeremy was
3: it was because we were hanging out is that the doug fir and uh-huh. it has those that gas like kind of uh fire pit and um and it has like <laughs> these rocks and, and he was talking about how like in a wood fire you can you can like pick up a coal and like play hot potato with it and it like doesn't seem like something you'd be able to do but right. you you can put it down and he thought <laughs> he thought that you could do the same thing but this still so like trying, <laughs> trying oh, to shit. show off he's like hey watch guys <laughs> picks the thing up and it just horribly burns as head like his skin's peeling off and everything it's like it did exactly what you would think holding on to yeah. a hot but he just looked like the biggest dipshit in the world <laughs> <laughs> because people didn't oh. know that that's a thing that you can do with right. different oh man.
2: <laughs> and, and the payoff for that is nothing
0: like hey look it,
2: I picked this thing up and I'm throwing it around it, it's not that impressive right actually. at
0: best you're tossing a rock between your hands without hurting yourself yeah. at worst you're seriously endangering <laughs> an entire uh, bar that's pretty great yeah so that's like i mean that's alcohol is usually a factor in fire yeah. danger in a oh way that other drugs one. aren't
2: now my fire danger was impressing girls did yeah it, uh, I, did, I used to make a lot of well money.
3: that's yeah. alcohol's tied into that i guess it is too right. it's, they're usually both, yeah. I used
2: to make a lot of acetylene bombs. You guys know about those? Sure. Nothing I mean, sexier to a lady than an acetylene yeah. bomb. It's when you take the uh, welding gas and you put it into a, like a, a milk jug or a balloon. Mm. And you put the top on it and you throw it into a fire. And it is the serious. It's the loudest explosion. You can feel like the blast wave go through your body. It's crazy. And I thought it would be cool to impress these girls I was with. So I sprayed some WD-40 on the ground. And I grabbed this milk jug filled it up with gas and I went to put the cap on and realized that it was a cap from a different milk jug and it did that thing where you get it all the way tight and then it keeps going. I was like, oh shit, well I'll just so get it as tight leaking. as it can. No, it wasn't tight enough, yeah. I got about a foot and a half away from that open flame and it just blew up in my hand oh, and in God. my face. Just peeled all the skin off of my hand, burned my eyebrows off and I couldn't hear at all. Ooh.
0: Did you end up making out with those girls then? <laughs> oh man, they were really impressed. Those girls were so impressed And then we (laughs) fucked They were 10 feet away
2: from the blast And it blew them back under their backs from sitting So yeah, those girls were super impressed And I guess the whole time I couldn't hear anything I was screaming as loud as I could How old were you when this was happening?
0: Uh, Like 13 I can't remember Is it a thing that we ever thought that girls were impressed by our mastery of fire? Uh, Well, Probably
3: than our evolutionary history, I imagine, if you are able to create fire, that would
0: have been. I guess deep down, yeah, it's in yeah. there somewhere.
3: Um, but, but yeah, I, I did, I, I used to. uh This is this is uh just a podcast about how dumb men are. Um, <laughs> is, is what the theme yeah that's of what today. this has become. Yeah. Um, I, uh you can take a, a little bit of lighter fluid and like cup it in your hand and light it, um, and then and and it will create this awesome flame. And then you can just shake your hand and it goes right out. Well, one time I had someone else pour it in my hand and I'm like drunk and around a fire. And I, and then, uh, I couldn't find a lighter. And so it was just like soaking into my skin. And then, but when I did, uh, uh I found a lighter, and I lit my hand on fire, and I was like, "Hey, look how cool this is with my hand on fire, and then in the end it will go out and I give it a shake and i it's just a couple more shakes, and then it would not go out, and I had to like stomp it out, and oh. uh it was real bad. That it, sounds horrible yeah, it was uh I had blisters that like uh all over my fingers that were like an inch high um i I had to leave the party. I had to go to uh, like a gas station and find like I had to make my way down this uh, this mountain, find a gas station. I put my hand in ice, and uh, and it literally like a cartoon like steam came up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Did um, it swell up like a balloon, like a Mickey uh, Mouse hand? It, it it just blistered really. It was fucking like I probably should have went to the hospital, and I didn't. Um, because I'm super cool. Well, yeah. You know, you had some, <laughs> but this was some like ladies at least to grow with that blistered hand. I think I was like 17 when that happened. So that's yeah, there's hardly any, but a little more reckless when you're 17. Probably sure. that's
0: true. You've that's lived true. through a few milk jug bombs by the time you're 17. Yeah, so you yeah, t- yeah. You're taking some risks. Yeah, that's that's true. You're feeling your oats a little bit. Mm-hmm. But psychedelics tend to be an entirely different experience you <laughs> I'm curious because your show is the one you're touring for now. A good trip. A, a it's good trip
3: with Shane Moss. With
0: Shane Moss, and just to let people know, the next times I can check you out are uh, May 24th in Rock Island, Illinois; oh, May 25th yeah. in Cedar Rapids, Iowa; and May 30th in Brooklyn for this show. A good trip. Yeah, I
3: have I have way more dates than that. But it's just that my website's being updated. I'm, I'm doing uh, some stuff in New Jersey. I'm doing several more. Uh, Midwest states, and then I'm doing some Southeast states too, like Asheville and Athens, and um, a bunch of other stuff.
0: Awesome. awesome! One thing that I was curious about, since it's it's obviously a stand-up show, so there's that that performance and that comedy element, but there's also this element of kind of awareness and advocacy for psychedelics. I'm wondering, when you were putting the show together, how did you figure out the way to strike that balance? Um, I
3: just had a lot of jokes about psychedelics and I had some ideas about it. So when the show first started, it was mostly just jokes and stories. And some of the jokes were like a little headier, a little more thoughtful. And it had like little bits of information in it. And people always, the the show went really well from the start, um, because I, I market. I find like an audience of people that are interested in psychedelics, either do them or are curious about them. I don't just like perform it in front of random audiences at a comedy club. So it went really well right from the start. But people would people would be like, "Oh, it was a funny show, but I really liked the information." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Oh, that's great news because I wanted to be saying like more meaningful things." And and it's part of the reason why I started doing this psychedelic show in the the first place was so I could kind of penetrate more of like the indie scene because there's just a little better attention span and and you can kind of uh, get into some headier uh, topics rather than like a comedy club's a lot of like I worked really hard all week I want to have some drinks and turn my brain off and have right. a couple cheap laughs and that's fine I mean I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all but it's just you know there's a time and a place for everything and I was kind of frustrated uh, with my career at the time that I wasn't able to say more meaningful things and I started doing themed albums so anyhow so once I started getting that I was like oh terrific so I added like more information and just a little it was actually the scariest part because the jokes are something that I'm just very you know I have a fair amount of experience now doing but doing like more informational stuff i was i was new to and so it was like i would nervously add like another 30 seconds of information here and there and then it just eventually turned into like a third ted talk a third stand-up and a third storytelling and it's just this i just found this really nice balance but it just evolved it didn't like it's a it it's much different formed, than the right? uh, yeah it wasn't a fully formed idea. Um, I, I kind of the first time I did it actually I was bored at a at a club where there's no audience and just comics there, and uh, because of, the, of, of like a horrible hurricane situation, oh. and um, and they still made me perform for some reason, and I was <laughs> like I don't want to do my shtick in front of like a bunch of comics, and so I just started ripping out every psychedelic joke that i could think of because i'd always have like a minute or two in my act but much more than that people will start turning on you and be like yeah this guy's a druggy weirdo all he
2: does is stuff about tripping
3: yeah yeah, and so um so so yeah so just you know it it, it evolved yeah Uh, that's it's kind of what uh what people wanted it to be you know Mm -hmm. i would just i would get feedback and make adjustments and yeah. It's, it's great. In fact, now I do uh, just a talk about DMT that isn't meant to be a comedy show at all. It's just me sharing my experiences. There's Man. laughs and everything. I actually did a little bit of it last night after I was kind of done with my regular set. I, I took some time to um, share some ideas that were just, I wouldn't really call it comedy. Yeah, the
2: DMT part was so interesting to me because that's kind of like one of those psychedelics that it's kind of rare to most people, so uh, it seems super dangerous and scary. Mm -hmm. And uh, from all the stuff that we're finding out about it now, and more people being or open about it, it sounds like it's a much more, I don't know, kind of like the next level of psychedelic drug. Like if you're comfortable with, well, it's a different
3: thing. It's like I mean, it's a disassociative, and you literally like leave this existence and go into another like seemingly a different world and different dimension and another existence entirely, which I believe is inside of our heads, but either way, it seems like it's outside of you. Um, and that's why it's called the spirit molecule, but that's so, so to me, DMT is like really interesting and thought provoking. And definitely, mm-hmm. um, it's given me, it's opened me up to the idea of spirituality more than mm-hmm. I was before DMT for sure. Um, I mean, I still have a pretty science based take on all of it. Um, and, but whereas like mushrooms and LSD are like, you're learning about kind of some of your habits and behaviors and it's, it's kind of a little more, I would say those are better for just kind of like bettering your life and understanding yourself more. And DMT is just good to like really just, if you want a real head fuck and if you want like something just. (laughs) To be endlessly fascinated by and um, yeah and uh, well, the one time mysterious. I got a chance to
2: do it I was already drunk I was at a party. oh dear I walked oh, to no. a bathroom that and is, like that is a I was bad, like whoa what are idea. you guys freebasing?" and they're like DMT bro and then I was I Woo. took a big ass hit of it held it for a while and then the entire world you know when you're kind of tripping and you the ground and ceiling will kind of breathe a little bit and kind of move if you look at them too long yep the air was doing that the mm-hmm. entire existence of the world was vibrating for like you know ten minutes, and it. I just went with it and had a great time.
3: But oh yeah, but you didn't break through. If you, If you would have broken through while drunk, it might not have been the best experience no, ever. I my wife really did. could and not. She warn disappeared people. in
2: a porta potty, and uh, uh, she said it was the most nightmarish hell she's ever experienced, and she but, was uh, drunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was bad. It,
3: it's uh, something about the combination of alcohol makes it really. Re- it makes it like a nightmare, as uh, like. DMT sober makes you, like, hang out with God. Uh, DMT while drunk makes you hang out in hell. Yeah.
0: So this is all good information for me because I'm very rudimentary in my experiences. I've done mushrooms a lot of times, yeah. and I really, really enjoyed them, but I've never taken LSD or kind of climbed the psychedelic ladder.
3: Well, LSD isn't. I mean, every everyone everyone brain is a little different like lsd mushrooms affect me way more than lsd that's does. what i've heard that's what people but, have told me no but everyone's different some people are the complete opposite so you just i mean it's just one of those things you gotta find out for but you can start slow you know if you're gonna do LSD. DMT is a thing that i'm like i'm not sure that's for everybody yeah. like reality can seem like really slippery yeah. afterwards and you're like wondering what's real and um i mean just on on more of like a uh, philosophical level, but that can fuck with your head a little bit yeah. if you like start becoming convinced that this world is fake, which it, it might know, be. Actually. It's I mean it's, it's as a fake good as it isn't. <laughs> Everything yeah, yeah. seems to be like very like yin and yang. Everything's as meaningful as it is meaningless, and
0: um, well, the more like neuroscientists and. Physicists kind of collide, it seems like the world is kind of a projection of some mm-hmm. internal reality that it seems to be more unique to every individual. So, yeah, I can see how there would be an experience that taps into that feeling, mm-hmm. which seems which may literally be more true than the reality that we express you know, experience on a day to day basis. Not gonna be
3: jarring, mm-hmm. yeah, right. It's, it's, it's like it's... the downside, even like having I've had like great DMT trips that I still am like, well. Can't do that for a while. Like, that's how I feel um, about salvia. Have oh you guys ever yeah, salvia? I have. This done is the one because everyone so everyone calls refers to salvia as like DMT's evil twin. This
0: is the one where the it feels like you're you trapped in it for ten through. hours, but it's thirty no, seconds no. or something. I, like I that. mean, that's
2: like an extreme case. That's like saying you walked into a painting while tripping on acid. Like it's yeah, those yeah. stories are legendary. But uh, you do um, all the big trips I've had with salvia or i've broken through have been gravity distortion based like i felt like my chair was the center of gravity for everything in existence and everything around me was vibrating just a little bit and about to pick up and shoot right into me like a black hole oh. so that was kind of crazy or uh you just leave this existence and become a cartoon character in a roller coaster who's in the part of the loop where it's at the low part where you feel all the g's yeah and stays there for infinity while you're feeling those g's in the roll it's like the the loop broke off and it's continuing on a on a track on its own, and you're just feeling those g's I don't know that's all my
0: experience with it, but it doesn't happen every time you smoke it either. This is all really interesting to me too because i I love the uh the language that people develop to describe uh drug experiences, which is is a, probably a big part of of your act I would imagine, just kind of figuring out how to articulate what this experience yeah. is like for someone else yeah, yeah. How, are these common? Is this is this is what Andy's saying? I've uh, never I'm done Sylvia, different. but uh, oh, a lot okay. of times
3: with Sylvia, people are like, "I was a toy in a store window um, in a mall for aliens, and there's like little kid aliens like looking at me and picking me out." And uh, I've heard that same story from like, Well, that's weird. forty different people in like different <laughs> cities and stuff like like when people wow. come up and ask me after the show, and every time I'm like. I'm like, do you know how many people have said that exact same thing? They're like, what, really? Wow. Yeah, there's definitely like...
2: When I come off of salvia, though, it is draining. You're sweaty. Your body is sore. You don't want to smoke it again right away. Probably not for months.
3: See, DMT, personally. when I come out, I feel like energetic and like a mm-hmm. great, lovely buzz, mm-hmm. body buzz. And I feel like really on top of shit.
2: I think they've stepped up their game with the salvia stuff. looks. I know there's concentrate versions of it now and things like that. I was smoking just like the green leaf back in the day that you would buy from the head shop for like 5 bucks. Now you can get like 40X and it's
0: like $40 a gram and it's black powder, you know. For me... Or you so can eat it. Again, the, the mushroom experience, I've always just enjoyed that a ton. I, the the come down for me is, is wonderful. My brain feels like it's really crackling. I feel really sharp. But while I'm on it, I also feel as if I'm seeing uh, the absurd reality of the world around us in a really uh, comforting way. Yeah, um, that's that's always been my experience with it. I, I'm obsessed with like the signs that people put in public places mm-hmm. that uh, oftentimes confer no information. And that seems very uh, I see that very clearly when I am mushroom just little things like that that I've yeah. found to be a really enjoyable experience.
3: Yeah, mushrooms for me, I take mushrooms and like I literally see everyone as as like actual apes um and which we are (laughs) right we absolutely are apes but i see it like i'll look down at my arms and i'll have like hairy like chimp arms and like uh, and and like chimp hands and stuff it's like highlighting that that fact that we are primates that we often forget it's like really easy to think of ourselves as something else and so it's always just like I'm on mushrooms I'm just like, what a bunch of fancy monkeys we are. This is so silly. (laughs) And we take ourselves so seriously. So that's, yeah, that's, that's, I think that's a pretty common um, experience with people like seeing like the, the true yet absurd kind of reality, but it's usually kind of like in a metaphorical way.
0: Sure. It's like, it's a, it's just a, a peek behind the curtain of all the things that we out of uh, necessity sort of take for granted in order to go about living our lives in a productive way all of yeah. and you kind of see those little constituent pieces pile up in my experience which is um, which is awesome I mean that's kind of the, the definition of a drug experience is being able to kind of connect to something like that
3: right yeah I uh, I mean psychedelics have have like absolutely give, done so much benefit for me but the problem is is like I had to make so many mistakes to figure out how to do them, kind of "quote unquote" correctly, and kind of how to have safe and more meaningful experiences. And ta- whereas, like, I'm really, uh, I'm really cautious about being like, "Hey, everyone should do psychedelics," because I don't think that is the case. And I, there, there's people that are one just doing them wrong or doing them like in a really stupid way. Just uh, you know, like the way you drink alcohol or whatever and like oh yeah you just go crazy with it and do shots this is a party i'm a badass and like do that with psychedelics and then shit gets like real 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 for them and uh and have a hard time like afterwards with that like psychologically um and almost have even like like for example mushrooms have uh all but like cured my chronic depression but there's other people because they've they've given me like a sense of uh when i do mushrooms i'll have like a sense of meaning and purpose whereas i normally have uh anhedonia and kind of confusion in this world just seems like really really crazy to me always has I'm just since as far back as i can remember anything and so mushrooms to me like bring a clarity and like i can see like a path better and they kind of motivate me and and whereas another person that's just like going through life like taking it as fa- at face value and loving every minute of it and like yep you work the nine to five and you go home and you have and it's you know it's great it's just how life works and you you have the two and a half children and and um which is like a lot of my upbringing around mid i those some of the, those people that are like you know just in it really in in delight and like not questioning it in any way they can have a mushroom trip and then become really confused have this like have their uh, have their kind of perception shaken up a little too much and then not know how to like make sense of it where it does the exact opposite for me so i don't recommend them for everybody and then at the same time i'm like "Eh, i kind of do um if it were (laughs) if it were in a better if people knew what they were doing with it if it were like in the environment we evolved in, where you were doing this stuff with your parents, you know, and right. and like and with the elders of the community, it was it was how you were having your trips, and that's how you were learning to do psychedelics, um, or if it was, we're in a clinical setting. You know, where there's a professional guiding you through some of the dark spaces or whatever. But but just to have yeah, yeah. To it have is someone nice. someone that mean, doesn't have a fucking idea what they're doing. Yeah, and you then gotta just... have
2: somebody with you that's got some experience. With yeah, that. yeah, you really do. Or you have to have just like that one person in your group that takes care of everybody who doesn't take it. You know, mm-hmm. at least when you first start messing around with psychedelics, because yeah, yeah if, if everybody in the room takes psychedelics and one person is freaking out and can't handle it, you have to have somebody step up
3: yeah well, even if you don't have a freak out, it's just nice to feel feel safe and yeah, like, yeah even yeah. if you get out of control yeah that's true that's the kind main of thing. control so you can just get more benefit from you can allow yourself to get like crazier and wilder and like explore deeper like more painful things if you know like no one's gonna let you like jump out a window or whatever ridiculous thing that doesn't actually happen but but uh <laughs> yeah one
0: um, one of the things that we're still even going through with something like marijuana is that the illegality of it has made testing it in a sort of a systematic way or working with it scientifically in mass a little more difficult because there's, you know, the, the, there's a lot of government control over those things. How has the science of psychedelics and, and this idea of microdosing that's becoming more, more popular, how has that evolved and, and how, how has that changed in the last five or ten years?
3: Well when you talk to people in the psychedelic community which I actually don't really consider myself an expert on psychedelics I've just used them a bunch and then i I know a fair amount about psychology and evolution and and neuroscience and so I base most of my ideas of psychedelics not like i I don't read books about psychedelics or yeah. anything um and so I kind of come up with my own ideas and then ask questions and uh, um, based on those ideas on my Uh, My podcast here we are, where I interview scientists. Um, But um, the climate in the community is—I mean, people are nervous about the current administration. But outside of that, people are like pretty excited about where things are going. They think that MDMA is going to be legal legalized for clinical use in like a few years. um, I think four years or something like that, which would be a really big um step in the in the right direction and they're doing amazing the research is really coming back whereas like 20 years ago it was it was basically like even the people that were like in the top of the field the most passionate about they're like is it it's the end of psychedelic research there's like three of us left and no and Mm -hmm. no one this is it's just over And uh, so in terms of that, it's a pretty exciting time. There's tons of... Like Johns Hopkins is doing a shitload of uh, psilocybin for mushrooms and... uh, Psilocybin for depression. Psilocybin's in mushrooms. For depression, um, for cluster headaches, for um, uh, breaking addiction, um, for... uh, and, And just... They're studying mysticism with it too, and giving people these really high doses and controlled settings, and triggering these kind of mystical experiences, and people that seem to be really um, healing for people, and uh, kind of like a really nice reset, and make make get, seems to give people like a, a lot of
4: hope.
0: That's encouraging. I'm glad Mm -hmm. to hear that there are there are some very serious pursuits of it because I I feel like you know, as you said, there was there. I just feel like there's a gap there, and that should be something that science can really guide our thinking on. That I think gets overlooked sometimes. So I'm glad to hear that there is a little bit of a a movement and a a serious examination of the.
3: I mean, on the ground, like within the culture, it's still very much like. Oh, mushrooms are a thing that make you crazy or something and especially because because they kinda of bring you out. And most people just do them like once in college or whatever, mm-hmm. and they have this. They remember having this crazy experience. Well, they were like a crazy, confused person. That's those those years are incredibly confusing years, and and they're and you're just a fucking crazy person lighting your hand on fire and whatever else, <laughs> yeah. and then you do mushrooms and kind of amplify that. And sure, yeah, you'll have a crazy trip because you are a crazy person. Right. It's like last <laughs> night. I did mushrooms, and I was it was the last night of the festival and i was just like really fucking burnt out and the very first thing that i that was amplified was just like oh i'm just really tired right now this trip is just going to be a tired trip it's just going to amplify how tired i am because (laughs) it pulls out whatever is kind of in you that's why that's the other thing with like people that are anxious or panic or whatever i mean sometimes psychedelics can pull that out If, if if someone's like prone to a panic attack anyway. And if you're just doing it not in a professional setting
0: yeah.
3: and, and you're like anxious or whatever, it it, it will amplify um, that, which is hopefully a learning experience and making you more mindful. But for a lot of people, they don't understand just that that that's what them. it's about. And, but, but people are so scared of the inside of their heads. They're like, like you talk with people and they'll, they'll be like, oh, well, I don't want to get in there. You don't understand. It's real crazy in my head. It's like, well, that's... More reason, in fact. To yeah, do you you need a yeah. tool to work with that crazy. Yeah, yeah. it's a wanna... tool as well. That's yeah. I'm glad that you said that yeah. because they're not a magic bullet. They are not the answer. They're one piece of a very complicated puzzle called existence.
0: Well, I don't know much about neuroscience, but just uh, on the face of it, locking uh, what you perceive to be a crazy part of your own self inside a box in your mind uh, and hoping that it doesn't spill out in unhealthy ways later seems Dangerous and naive, whereas confronting it head on might be at least a way to open up the doors and, and see what you're really working with,
3: yeah, I mean really having setting intentions and then integrating the days after are so important. people don't know that, so people are like i'm going to trip, eat this thing, I'm tripping now, and then they're done tripping, and then they're like, okay, I'm done tripping, and how what what if you really want to have a productive trip you should kind of think about a little bit ahead of time just like people do with meditation or anything else something that you'd want to learn about yourself or like if you're understanding say like in my case a lot of times it's like a particular um maybe self-esteem issue that i'm experiencing at the moment whether it's like career or relationship stuff or whatever it might be and so i kind of go into it with the intention of of thinking about that while I'm tripping and kind of coming to some conclusions. And then after the trip, the three or four days afterwards, just like sitting and writing and reflecting on some of those ideas and thoughts that you came up with is like, uh, I would say for me better than the trip itself. Like the trip is the thing that I do for the few days afterwards to integrate those lessons into my life. not always successfully, mind you. Like, <laughs> um, it, it, just just because you become aware of problems doesn't, and and want to fix them doesn't necessarily mean you are going to be perfect and then going about fixing all of your problems.
0: But it is the opposite of um, pushing yourself away from confronting those problems.
3: Yeah, it very much is, and so that's why I'm saying it's like to just be like I'm going to trip and then that's it. To isolate it like that is just you're really missing out on on uh, on so much of it and and i think that's also why people have such a negative because then then if you have a difficult time while you're tripping that's all part of it that's part of the learning um whereas if people are just like yeah i'm gonna trip and that's the point of it and then it's a negative trip they're like oh i had a bad trip they don't think about it about it as something that was useful mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. yeah that term gets thrown around a lot what do you think about bad trips
3: i think they're yeah, difficult that's exactly it. it's difficult just... experiences yeah. um it's, like, to to learn things about yourself, to, like, I mean, we are, like, oh, uh, you don't understand, I'm crazy, and I got, like, I got some dark, ambassador. yeah, yeah, of course you do, everyone does, and, and so confronting those things can be awful, uh, and, like, painful in that moment, but oftentimes, like, for me, I'm able to, like, I'll go through a trip, and I'll be, like, kind of, i'll be it'll make me like really depressed and i'm like i'm or i'll even start crying or get really anxious or whatever it might be and then and like through that just allowing myself to feel those feelings and then toward the end of the trip usually i'm able to forgive myself and others for faults and um and kind of you know you look at you're like I, I, I look all the time, I'm just like oh, I'm just a fucking monkey. <laughs> like I'm doing a pretty decent job for a monkey, <laughs> you know. Like hey, uh, what, you, you can't expect that much out of yourself. You wouldn't, you know, if your if your dog, if you're if you're, a dog, you're, if you're, if you're a puppy, like jumps on people or scratches something accidentally, or tips a thing over or whatever, you don't. You don't like get super angry at your dog. You're like, oh, yeah. It's a puppy; it doesn't right. know anything, and that's what we're all stupid puppies that well, I, don't know anything. I was going to mm-hmm. say
0: I've heard, I think I've heard you say this on your podcast many times, but just like we have no, we have no information, we have no set of answers on how to be. So everything we do, even the things that we do, sort of that are culturally ingrained, are sort of experimentation. So you know. Anything that helps you to be more in tune with something that makes sense and gives you some sort of game plan for navigating life, I would feel like would be a, something worth exploring.
3: Yeah, I mean, there's a million ways. I mean, if and it can also be fucking more, fun. If you, you can also have fun. To go to therapy, yeah. and you can also have lots of fun. That's <laughs> right. a really I, important thing. Yeah, it's like a, we dwell on the negative a lot. A lot sure. Like, I mean, because it is like probably. Probably some of the more most important aspects is the healing aspects because there's a lot of pain and suffering in this world. But at the end of the day, you can often like yeah. like you don't necessarily need to have uh, OCD or PTSD or other acronyms to um, qualify for or to to gain benefits from a psychedelic experience. Sure. Yeah. You might be a happy, at peace person. That just has a really happy, enjoyable, at peace trip, and like, yeah. or you might like have a ton of laughs and and tell jokes with your friends, or you might enjoy a, a, a music festival. You, you know, it can. Um, it's just, I think, for those, uh, it's just really beneficial to know what you're doing ahead of time. Like, mm-hmm. I, I wish, in, in a perfect world, and. My way of thinking about it is psychedelics are something that you would go into a clinical setting first, do it with a therapist first that really understands some of these weird metaphors that are coming out of your mind and why your brain's producing those feelings. It's, I mean That's another reason why I'm so good at tripping is because I know a lot about how the brain works. Mm -hmm. regardless like it's what i do it's what i it's what i spend all of my time obsessively reading and talking with scientists about and researching and so i like i get what's happening when i see like a weird strange hallucination i don't take it at face value but for people that don't have that it would be nice to have that that kind of you know the guide like we're talking about and then after that once you kind of get a handle on that then you could go off and explore on your own and then you then it could get a little more into the recreational and having like I don't like using psychedelics at concerts necessarily it's not, not really yeah. my thing but for some people it's like a beautiful spiritual ama- like the best one of the best experiences of their lives and they like will never forget it and it just makes them a happier person for like months they're they're thinking fondly about that and so everyone's a little different too so it just takes experience to mm-hmm.
0: figure all of that out I yeah. think that's that's a good segue for for playing a little bit of music Sure um, I know you uh, had a couple tracks in mind, Shane. Do you yeah. have uh, one that you'd uh, like yeah. to just open things up with?
3: Yeah, yeah. I um, so I'm thinking a, a little Deltron 3030 30 maybe. Since we're talking about psychedelics, it's like very uh, um, Del the Funky Homo Sapien has is this concept album with him and Dan uh, the Automator, who there's also a good um. Uh, uh handsome boy modeling school is yeah. another like really good and and that's uh, that's Dan the animator um produces that and and I'm sorry everybody these next ones I'll be able to I'll, I'll just queue up ahead of time but it's just <laughs> a good introduction one I would say is is the song 3030 actually on the first album it's the second track and um so it's like a very kind of orwellian take on things it's very much um so there's one concept album. So it's set in the year 3030, and they're kind of like these um, musical superheroes that are coming back to save the world through uh, basically kind of um, the government and kind of corporations con- um, colluded together to, um, you know, kind of control people's thoughts and speech through promoting uh, like really shitty pop music that was like really meaningless and so the only way to make money is to do like really really meaningless um music and so all of these great important ideas have been lost and and so they're coming back and using rap to um reintroduce this important information point out the many flaws in the system and and then it's also just really fucking silly too. At mm-hmm. the same time, there because it, it's like for, it's like looping like force field sounds and lasers and stuff like that. And it's uh, so yeah, it's uh, real good.
0: Let's trip out to some thirty thirty.
1: Nine. condition 3, is
4: zero hero not no small feat it's all heat in this day and age i rage your grave anything it takes to save the day neuromancer perfect blend of technology and magic use my rapping so you all can see the hazards plus entertainment where many are brainless we cultivated a lost art of study and i brought a buddy automator harder slayer fascinating combination cyber warlords are activating abominations i a nation with hatred, we ain't with that. We high-tech archaeologists searching for knickknacks, Composing musical stem packs that impacts the soul. Crack the mold of what you think you rapping for. I used to be a mech soldier, but I didn't respect orders. I had to step forward, tell them this ain't for us. Living in a post-apocalyptic world, morbid and horrid. The secrets of the past, they hoarded. Now we just boarded on our futuristic spacecraft. No mistakes, black It's our music we must take back. I'm I broke this in jail, playing host to a cell for the pure verbal. They said my sentence was equivalent to murder, just another hurdle. I bounced through a portal. I knew they had the mind state of mere mortals. My ears morphed to receptors that catch up. Every word about gravity control and the families they hold for handsome ransoms. On the run with a handgun. Blast bioforms! I am warned that a planet-wide manhunt with cannons will make me abandon my foolish plan of uprising. Fuck die, and I hijack a mech, control it with my magical chance, So battle advance through centuries a hip-hop legacy. Mega speed, hyper warp the automator, screaming like the torch. They can't fight the force. Victory is ours once we strike the torch. Enterprise and wise men look to the horizon. Making more capitalism is the wisdom in prison all citizens in power with rhythm we keep the funk alive by talking with idiots Prehistoric rhetoric, well, we ahead of that. Lay it down with sound waves that pound pavement. Original minstrels. My central processing unit is into. in two with my heart for this art. Not artificial, cause that makes it hard to miss you. Copycats finish last in the human race. Staying glued to safes, two rude to take a Buddha break. We got aspers that let us bless with fresh shit. Undetected by yes quested for five fleeting nanoseconds of fame. Protecting the brain from conspiracies against my cosmos. While I float the Neo-Tokyo with O.P.O. or discuss combustible rust clusters with plus. Evade cyber police in a computer crib. Confuse the kids. But I can make it kick and rise as sacred. Telepathic mind that takes its greatness from the matrix. Esperon Professor rushes a cult of freshest with correction measures While half the world's a desert Cannibals eat human brains for dessert Buried in a deep dirt Mobility inert I insert these codes for the cataclysm Ever since I had the vision Use my magnetism In this modern metropolis That tries to lock us up Under preposterous laws It's not for us
0: remember about your first experience performing comedy
3: i remember being terrified and i read jokes out of a notepad that were like incredibly unorganized and and uh yeah I i was like really really scared um it was uh it was fine it went fine it just was i didn't have like good stage presence i was like so insecure and so nervous and it was like i'm sure that was quite visible um i definitely was not masking that in any way and uh so yeah so yeah that, that's that's what stands out to me
0: what uh had gotten you into it in the first place when did that Oh, uh, something i always it? wanted to do since oh, i was really? like 10 years old yeah yeah made it happen what uh what was your entryway into comedy what were some of your your big your big people when you were a kid? That I just heard
3: that there's a job called stand-up comedy where you <laughs> stood in front of people and made people laugh, and I was like, oh, that sounds perfect. I wanted to be a stand-up comedian before I was ever even saw stand-up comedy. And so, I, I mean, I remember early on really liking Emo Phillips and Stephen Wright. I really, like, was drawn more to weird stuff. And then, like, later on, um, you know, like, Zach I I was definitely always... I was drawn much more because I I also like watched so much comedy and I always like it, comedy never really like made me laugh that hard. I always like looked at it like oh that's funny. <laughs> like I I always saw it as like a puzzle um and like uh, formulas and structures and and so uh I, I just I was always just really interested in it and like the craft of it um so yeah i mean very rarely does does comedy make me laugh but it's i i love it um it, it's it, it's just like i i'm over like why was something funny how did that work what was the what was the phrasing that they used but i but in natural conversations you know i, I laugh all the time just like anyone else but when i'm actually watching comedy i like watch it very like seriously <laughs> actually so i've just always been like that
0: yeah uh how has your own style evolved? I mean since you're someone who observes process and uh and like form, how have you noticed that your writing style and your performing style has changed and grown at benchmarks in your career?
3: Well, when I started I was kind of uh like a shorter joke kind of absurdist kind of comic, but I was also like sort of edgy and could like kind of get away with saying things because I was this wholesome looking midwesterner and so I played on that really well. I had uh it was it was like a lot about delivery and timing and like I had like a certain kind of stage presence and I I would like I would time out my jokes and figure out like exactly how long the pauses should be and what amount of laughter to expect and and i needed to have X number of laughs per minute. It was like very much mathematical. And then as I had experience and um was a full-time comic and on the road more i started telling more stories to kind of challenge myself it just i i always had uh i was i it took me a long time to feel like really comfortable on stage i was able to pass as comfortable and confident because i just figured out workarounds to fake it um but uh so i would push myself into doing more uncomfortable things like at the time i was telling stories and then i Um, After a while, I just kind of got bored um, and wanted to be talking about more meaningful, interesting things and trying to, like, see what I could get away with saying like a naughty little boy. (laughs) And, uh, you know, just, you know, it's not I I still I I don't mind a a good abortion joke and stuff like that from time to time. Um, But it, it just like. It didn't appeal to me anymore, Mm -hmm. and so that's why I started doing more kind of themed shows with more, like introducing science into my act more, and trying to say more meaningful things on stage.
0: Was there, I guess, is there a period when you're making that transition when you're kind of lose an audience or? Yeah. I guess I'm, just, I'm always curious about people's as performers their awareness of what the experience is like for their audience there so do you cultivate a certain kind of fan um, and, and are you speaking to a certain kind of person or are you trying your best to craft something that's a little more universal and that more a broader audience can enjoy
3: well both I mean when I'm in clubs it's more universal because it's mostly random people that mm-hmm. have no idea who I am I, I always have some fans out but the majority of the room is people that are just like oh a okay comedy show um or maybe they watched a video on on the internet quick to see if i was funny and then um and then i do you know these indie shows too which i do a little more challenging stuff so it's it um yeah there's there's been like really transitional periods uh i imagine i'll probably go through them again but i don't think that i'll i don't think that i'll uh, I think I'm kind of like really on the right track like every year you get more and more comfortable you know you get more like really you're just trying to be the person that you are when you're like hanging out with your girlfriend and of like years or whatever you're both really comfortable with one another and being silly and telling jokes um is it, is like the level of comfortability that you're trying to if if you can be that on stage in front of people you'll do pretty well and so the, the, um i feel like my act is uh currently the most uh genuine and authentic thing that i've ever done just because it naturally goes that way and probably mm-hmm. next year i'll be doing something that is even more authentic or genuine and so yeah i guess that's how it's changed over time and it's also definitely i've gotten away from like i need to have four laughs a minute to or uh, like four to six at least per minute you know joke every 15 seconds or something like that but um i've gone from that to like something's funny i'm gonna say if it takes it takes me two minutes to set the thing up a lot of times those things have a much bigger payoff. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the times the thought-provoking stuff, even if it's not necessarily like quote-unquote as funny like like uh, uh, you know, buckled over l- losing your shit because you just saw someone like get hit in the balls, you know, like that uncontrollable, someone just lit their dick on fire and put it on the internet or whatever. That is pretty funny. And yeah. uh, <laughs> it is. Um uh and and so but people seem to attach when when something's like a lot of times i had to get comfortable with people with hearing silence because sometimes i'm just saying interesting things and so people aren't laughing they're just like huh and figuring out that those are people's favorite parts usually and it took a while for me to get comfortable so yeah there's been a lot of always a lot of transitional times
0: well you know how i mean being here on this show you know how terribly awkward it is in real life but when i always listen back i find that those beats of silence are are nothing you know as a as a host i'm always terrified of three seconds of silence but that's that's fine people are comfortable with that much more than you are when you're standing up there by yourself
3: yeah yeah i uh I have a hard time with silence to this day. It it's a thing that uh I mean it's it's something that I'm trying to it, it's some it's something that I definitely have to I sometimes feel very awkward and sometimes feel like I don't have the best social skills in the world because I've like lived my life in si- in silence basically because I didn't understand it. like I didn't agree with anyone ever in my <laughs> upbringing and so I just like kept my mouth shut and uh through my whole life and so uh, that that's that's really affected my um uh, my social skills um but uh so it's just something that i you know work on and work to get better at and feel more comfortable
0: how do you practice that uh that comfortable Comfortableness, I guess. Like is it something you can do in the writing process and, and build it into the set? Or is it just something you have to yank that band-aid on stage and see Yeah, it feels? one
3: uh, one is just understanding what's causing that anxiety or whatever or awkwardness inside of you but anyway, like if it's like weird childhood shit or whatever. And then the other is just practice, like kind of kind of moving toward the things that make you uncomfortable and uh and and continually doing the things that you're scared of doing like i have a part in uh one of my one of my jokes now um actually i have like two or three jokes now that i that i sing in and singing in front of people is like terrifying for me like I i hate the idea of karaoke i don't like my voice i never liked choir or like having to sing in church and so like knowing that about myself i'll just force my i'll just construct bits where it forces me uh, to sing a little bit, it might start off like silly at first, and, and and so like when I started, I was very like Stephen Wrighty. I was just standing in one place and kind of, and then you know I wasn't comfortable like acting out a scene, so I'd do a little bit of that. Or I wasn't comfortable like yelling on stage for like an act out, or um, and so so just all those things that made me uncomfortable. It's just like you keep on pushing and there's some in, there's some interesting stuff in that in those scary places of the mind that is ultimately like really rewarding.
0: Well, Andy, I think it might be time on that note to play a little bit more music. I know you've got some jams to share. What's something you would like to kick it for us tonight?
2: Oh man, I'm going to play you a track from Old Grape God, a hip-hop artist from Portland, Oregon. Uh I guess I would, he's kind of in that same vein. I mean, I would call him psychedelic hip-hop. It's uh, experimental and uh, super cool. Uh, let's see what song I picked here. Uh, I picked a song called Mess
0: Excellent. Let's featuring check it
2: out. Ripley Snell off of his album uh, Trontanamo Bay. Check this out on Bandcamp. Same.
5: Through the ancient gallery and walk down the hall I can hear the wind's best impressions of a whisper clearly in my ear. My equilibrium shifts with every wishful shuffle step. This full ignorance of no regret, a time traveler's best part of the trip. I've been my i am go thicker, kiss the elixir, going alone. The bodies are our party drugs, really in the mixture. Keep a bay of trying to more Titanic. Flowing Arctic, not your archetypal guy, but exists nonetheless. Human habits made me re inhabit my body. She got me want to be human again, so I had to leave with the fog. Back to a polluted lake, I fish nonetheless. I fish nonetheless. Spit grip to stick to your chest, your ribs. I'm a frog, not a prince. Rinse my palms in the pond. I see no reflection. I see so many sheep that don't seek any direction. I'm just trying to hit a world tour in a vessel they will recognize. Like it now, still trying to treat the gang like a meal. You know, I feel
1: nice.
0: I'm, I'm curious about is you talked a lot about kind of how your act has evolved and the things that you're interested in doing in terms of the subject matter you're interested in covered and that kind of thing but how do you define how do you define success
3: in your career? <laughs> I, yeah i have no idea um uh i i mean for uh, for me it's uh, like if i am Making enough of a living so that i can survive and hopefully get a rv one day and sweet <laughs> but, rv yeah. i mean i love i love traveling um and so you know i basically live on the road and uh if i could keep that going more it would be nice if i had enough money to take my lovely girlfriend with me um when i'm when i'm traveling but but that's so you know there the that's Money is tied into it in that respect. Outside of that, I don't need like a mansion or anything like that. But I, but the thing is with comedy, there's no safety net either. Mm-hmm. So you don't, you, you, I mean, people might be really, really successful for like two years and then everyone just kind of forgets about them. And then some people sustain a career for a really long time. And, but I mean, I think that if you, a big part of it, it for me is just doing things that really satisfy me that I'm passionate about. I'm like pretty hard headed about not bending on things and and doing things that i really love doing Mm -hmm. and i think are are creative and i mean it's why i don't uh it's why i don't really like write for television or have tv shows or like i don't like hearing notes or people's advice i don't like watering things down on because a lot of that uh a lot of the industry people kind of in charge of uh, that are uh they aren't they aren't creative people they aren't like skilled in that regard and so they just don't see it and uh and so so i've that's why i like about stand up i'm my own boss i do exactly the material that i want and so i mean to me i am i successful i i don't i wouldn't exactly know what the answer to that is i feel pretty happy with where my career is at right now
0: i mean that sounds like success to me as long as you are comfortable and content where where you are, um, I mean, you not many people can say be that.
3: You man, <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. I mean, I, I think a, I think a lot of people. I think ju- just predominantly like chasing the money or just chasing like the laughs or the women or whatever it is is like the that's the kind of external rewards are what when when I see a comedian that is like uh, I see comedians erroring in that way all of the time they're chasing something outside they're like using their art as a tool to obtain whatever like fame idea of fame or whatever the thing is that they're after is not whereas uh, i'm my happiest when i'm just sitting and writing jokes and and uh and then i go out and perform them which i also like but my favorite part is just sitting and writing and thinking
0: through uh ideas just from your point of view when you come across a comedian who is obviously putting putting that kind of cart before the horse in terms of their motivation does it does it impact the quality of the comedy they're producing is it possible to be motivated by non-artistic things and still feel genuine and truthful and connect with an audience
3: some people seem to do it but i i see more problems than not i mean i people like people are often worried about like what is comedy supposed to be or what what's hot right now what are people into and trying to replicate a thing that they think will sell rather than creating a thing and then i mean you do need to figure out how to sell your thing but i i create the thing that i want first hopefully is the idea anyway and then figure out how to sell it and so um yeah definitely there's 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 problems out there some people do it well but mo- most people that are like really good at the business side of things um are uh not the funniest people in the world a lot of times you'll see that like the like the ultra uh, like the the, the comedians that, like, really have their shit together and are, like, really on top of things and organize and producing and put together shows are usually um, pretty boring, unfunny acts. Uh, so <laughs> that's it, not always the case. Sometimes people are just killing it in all, all domains and some people are sucking in all of them. But, uh, but yeah, it, it just seems like a pattern,
0: are you noticing that since, you know, like I guess in the last even six years or so, there's been this like proliferation of podcasts and more accessibility to comedians. Do you find that an audience, at least in sort of the alternative sphere of your work, is becoming more sophisticated or connecting in different ways? Is, is the nature of that relationship changing for comedians as there's more access to them?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think that there's with there being a million shows on TV or a million different channels, there's people can find it specifically what they want rather just like there used to be like four channels on, on TV, and so you just watched what was on there and it was pretty limited, and and the networks had to make things ultra kind of accessible. Um, comedy is kind of like that too. That's why I really like about kind of the indie scene branching out. It just allows people to to really uh, open up and do present themselves a little more and do the things that they're into. And I mean, I think, I think not that long ago it would have been really difficult to find like, say a comedy rapper or, uh, or uh, you know, you know, people, people bringing in and like showing videos or doing like PowerPoint things during a show, and so there's just all these other new, different, interesting elements. I think that's that's one of the more exciting things about the comedy climate. And I feel like it's getting so so. People are all also like learning more about how comedy works. It's like when you, um, like my girlfriend knows way more about music than I do, and so she's just like a little bit above me. And like when I listen to it, it sometimes takes me a little longer to understand it. And people are like that with uh, with comedy. Um, As well, if you haven't seen it that much, you know, Mm -hmm. just just like anything else in the world, it takes having uh, it takes that experience. And I feel like people are becoming a little more experienced and therefore are becoming like more comedy savvy. Or there's certainly an outlet for people that are comedy savvy, that are huge comedy fans and just gobble up every bit of it that they can. And within the uh, for those people, then you can do like really challenging, interesting stuff and, and it can and sometimes you have to you sometimes you can't do just like the same old uh run of the mill uh act for those people they'll like be bored by it and so then it pushes us uh, as comedians to think of new and novel ways of you know just like music you know the they uh kind of Everything's sort of been done in one way or another, and trying to like reinvent it a little bit and find your own little niche is uh, is a challenging thing, but it's also exciting and then that also kind of um, feeds rewards creativity and yeah, so
0: I, I think uh, I think
3: comedy's in, in pretty good shape right now, but it seems to go in waves.
0: What's a um, you know if there were no limits to you, whether it's financial or time or anything like that, what's a project that you would love to take on? What's the dream? Well, I just started being... shooting
3: a documentary, um, and it's about psychedelics. And but I'm hoping, I what I would love is to be like kind of a Morgan Spurlock, but with uh, with academia and going around to um, and talking with scientists. um it's actually what I'm attempting to put together. Is um, so I'm, I'm not going to give out all my amazing <laughs> ideas about what it's going to be. But um, I I think that would. Uh, give me the possibility to like really open up um like some bigger basically like i'm kind of there's aspects of me that um are getting away from comedy and more interested in doing other things and just more like being a little more of a philosopher and um and so I think documentaries would kind of allow me uh, to take away some of those constraints. Uh-huh. Um, there's no notes from, like, TV people about what it needs to be right. or this segment oh, needs to be three minutes because there's a commercial break after that or you need you need to have this in the first section, this in the second. I mean, I, I just helped write on a Comedy Central show and, and um and they did an episode on psychedelics and the notes that they got back from, like, the legal department like the standards and practice people i was absolutely shocked by like how insanely lame the notes were and this is like That's comedy crazy. central which is supposed to be like an edgier program so just imagine mm-hmm. take that and put it on like mbc or something like that right. and that really amplify, you know and and so So, just I I think there's a lot of opportunities these days for us to get away from those many constraints and limitations. So that's what I'm trying to pursue.
2: I'd like to see you on a show like uh, Pharmacopia, where you travel around the world. Yeah, I love that show. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, that's sort of the thing that I'm trying to do. That'd uh, be amazing, basically. Um, But I also want to do other subjects outside of the field of of psychedelics (laughs) as well. But uh, my my first one's going to be about psychedelics, and I I mean I hope if uh, if everything goes just insanely well, maybe it will be a docu series or something. Mm-hmm. I I think it would fit really nicely into a docu series uh, kind of kind of world. I think there's a, uh, already in the stuff that we've shot in the limited amount of time we've been shooting is like enough for a document like we could i mean we're making it really quickly and we have so much content and some we're going to be losing so much interesting stuff if we're just making one documentary out of it rather than Mm -hmm. a docuseries and so yeah i mean that's i think that that would be really cool and still have some laughs along the way and but but like it's just the laughs are better when you're not forcing them and you're like, okay, now this needs to be funny because this is we've labeled this a comedy thing and so it needs to have X number of jokes here and there. I think the laughs end up being a lot better when you can just kind of forget about that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, that sounds really exciting. Really looking forward to hearing how that evolves. Yeah. Um I know you gotta hit the road, but do you have time for one more song? Sure, we can do one more. What's uh, another jam you'd like to share? Today? Um well,
3: um so I I get most of my uh ideas about what I should listen to um from my lovely, beautiful girlfriend. Uh and and um so I have the there there's a song, this is one of the best songs that I've ever heard. Uh it's of Montreal. I was gonna play um Metronomy, but I don't have any thoughts on them. I just like discovered them recently and i just like what i've heard but i don't really know anything about them so we'll do out of montreal um and their uh stuff is like so hit or miss it, like some songs i absolutely hate and i'm like i can't believe i like this but and then some of some of them i'm like this is one of the best songs i've ever heard and when they're at their best um i the lead singer is like a little bit like kind of a really reminds me of like a really dark kind of Freddie Mercury oh. and uh and so yeah so this song's called um Greenlandic edit <laughs>
0: Shane Moss, thank you so much for being on Hot Garbage and hanging out with us tonight. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, guys. I yeah, uh, yeah I've, I've never really talked music on a
3: podcast before, so it's a fun. Well, I guess I have. I've never I've never done one with the intention of doing that, and uh, and so it's it's cool that I get to uh, share some of my my preferences and get that out into the world. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Well, you're a natural. It was, uh, it was an easy <laughs> match um your tour is it's a good trip you're on the road right now yeah everyone should check out ShaneMoss.com yeah, for Shane, information
3: yeah the schedule is going to be updating and changing all the time so just it just go there I've, i mean I've, I've hit most cities but i might be i might be kind of redoing the tour and i'm doing if i can make this a special i might do a follow-up to it um and because i have lots and lots of content and things to say about it and, and i love the psychedelic community so yeah, yeah. shane moss.com it's a Moss fantastic nuts.
2: show everybody go and see it and uh even if you're not into psychedelics it's a funny show you'll learn a lot
0: mm-hmm. and uh yeah it's really good and also be sure to subscribe to your podcast uh here we are yeah once iTunes. a week i talk mm-hmm. with
3: a different scientist usually it's uh like a lot of evolutionary psychology biology neuroscience behavioral economics um some Psychology and marketing stuff, some animal behavior, and so it's all kind of life science stuff that uh, is hopefully relatable, and, and I didn't go to college or anything, so I try to make it accessible for kind of people like me that uh, don't have an, uh, necessarily like a background in education or, or you know, mm-hmm. may, may not uh, be familiar with um these kinds of sciences but but i i try to do it in an accessible way for uh people i mean I, like i worked in a factory and stuff so like people in those uh like blue collar people that that have a lot of time on their hands but are uh and are bored at work and yeah. have um and like and like to do some thinking um, is kind of my main demographic.
0: It's it's always interesting. It's a great listen. So that's Here We Are. Uh, make sure you guys subscribe. Thanks again, Shane. Really appreciate thank it. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, and thank all of you for being here with us this week on Hot Garbage. We appreciate you tuning in. If you like what you heard, please feel free to pass this along to friends, relatives, co-workers, well-wishers, and strangers alike. You can subscribe to this episode and others like it every Thursday through iTunes. While you're there, throw us a few stars uh, or some verbal rankings always helps people to discover the show you can also reach out to andy nate and i directly at hot garbage podcast at com. that's h-a-u-t-e garbage podcast at gmail andy take us home
2: i'm gonna play you a little bit of music from uh a sudanese artist called Sufyan. it's uh f-u-f or s-u-f-y-v-n nate turned me on to this and this dude's just kind of like jay dilla from africa it's amazing you can check it. this out it's Good. called
0: moon dance it's off his album Pseudorhythm rhythm volume two for shane moss for nate for andy this is drew we'll see you next week on hot garbage